drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Ungainly baby waddles down the road, hands outstretched holding a cigarette. A huge roving eyeball looks out over a hotel balcony. A giant brain lumbers slowly down the stairs, bumping off the handrail as it goes. A gigantic disembodied foot treads on a two-slow picnicker and a severed hand appears out of nowhere to push it off. All the while, a nose bounces around behind them. Such is the surreal spectacle of a snuff puppet's public performance. You might encounter an oversized body part or an animal the size of a bus, but the beauty of these beasts is their ability to surprise, delight, and sometimes disgust. Co-artistic director Nick Wilson's with me today to talk about the puppetry company's latest project, Snuff Fest. G'day, Nick. Hi, Andy. Great to be with you. Australia has a bit of a history with puppets. I'm thinking of the ferals, Mr Squiggle, Aussie Ostrich, Agro, even Healthy Harold. Granted, these are nowhere near as sophisticated as snuff puppets, but what do you think it says about uh, our audience and and our ability to suspend our disbelief during a puppetry show? Yeah, that's an interesting question. There's there's something just almost inherently irreverent about puppetry. It's this you have to kind of willfully disbelieve, suspend your um, disbelief. I think it probably speaks to a general playfulness. Um. I think so. I think so. And certainly, you know, a lot of those examples are for children, but I'm not sure how you think about puppetry and, and its applicability across the ages. But snuff puppets have been described as the antidote to Disney, perhaps even the antithesis. So what defines the snuff puppet's aesthetic in your mind? So the snuff puppet's aesthetic, it's uh, basically our general style is that the performers are always completely concealed. Um, So we're really hidden inside the puppet, but the puppets are very much sort of visibly handmade where we like to be a little bit rough around the edges. And that goes for both the sort of visual aesthetic and, and the performance style. It's a very kind of interactive and dynamic style. I guess when, when I first saw um, a snuff puppet show, was 20 years ago now, and there was this show called Nyet Nyet's Picnic. It was just this perfect combination of all these things that were interesting me at the time, and it really did just, um, yeah, it combined this kind of, the, the simple mechanisms of puppetry that are what kind of creates that illusion, but also really exposing the humanity of it. And it's probably, yeah, there's something about the, the lack of slickness. You could probably go and see any, you know, big top or stadium uh thing that's that would have a lot more 
I don't know, slick professionalism or something, but but it's precisely that human element that really intrigued me. And you could sort of see the sweat on the performers and you can sort of almost hear the creaky pulleys and um <laughs> you know see the dust getting kicked up and 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 that that also goes to the stories so the irreverence of the storytelling um which was you know very much about in in that instance telling uh indigenous uh bunyip stories that had been sort of collected with all these different do this sort of long community development process. So it was at the same time kind of educating or giving a different perspective on, you know, the land that we're in and telling me stories that I wasn't aware of, but in a really sort of chaotic and playful way. And um, yeah, these great illusions of, it's also something about the scale and the ambition of it <laughs> that was really appealing. Mm. Um, yeah, there's something about the size. It's not just the physical presence, but it's also kind of the... the the commitment to the craft and the commitment to an idea to so big that it, I don't know, turn, turns everything into a spectacle. So, yeah, there was kind of life-size paddle steamers getting to river monsters and there was a white park ranger whose head was literally catching fire and running <laughs> through the audience. And there was, you know, giant, giant, amazing monsters yeah, what Snuff Puppets does as a company and brings to the craft, I suppose. In researching uh, Snuff Puppets ahead of this interview, there are so many articles and interviews that use descriptors like deliciously grotesque, anarchic, <laughs> uh, lo-fi, radical. It's almost like this topic matter gives permission for people to get creative with their language. I'm sure you've noticed this. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's also something, it, I mean, it goes into the actual style of performance too. There's something about the fact that uh, puppeteers are always concealed inside the puppet that lends this total anonymity and and the fact of the kind of playfulness of the illusion that the audience will also in kind of indulge in things that, you know, if you or I were to go around doing them in the street might be considered a little bit... Um, uh, differently <laughs> um yeah there's, i don't know there is something inherently kind of weird and beautiful and silly and playful and gross about just gigantic you know characters and and um just lends itself to that kind of storytelling and so many cultures have their own sort of indigenous kind of puppetry and for snuff puppets you've been to something like 37 countries obviously there's no language barrier in this performance but the taboos that are tackled are they ubiquitous across the different countries that you've been to they can be yeah it's it's interesting what what we do with with our um sort of workshop programs when we go and visit a community Without it was called a People's Puppet Project or a PPP, and we just sort of bring our materials and methodology, and and we do our best to let the the participants who come along really drive what the content about. It's sort of a deeply collaborative thing where what we're trying to basically draw out a story or a, you know topics that are really in, that are interesting to the people who come along, and so it's very much led by them. And and it is interesting that we tend to often find you know similar themes coming up whether it's but rooted in something deeply local so for example there'll be some you know folkloric character that's very specific to a region but then 
its kind of relationship with Medellin world and the lives that people in that place are, are um, you know, living on a day-to-day basis and, and that kind of tension or relationship. Um, it's, it does seem to interesting play out in um, similar ways. We find more, it's also interesting when we've done things locally here with, with different um, sort of migrant communities in, in Melbourne's West. We've had a few different projects in the last handful of years with a few different communities and and there quite often there's a there's a bit of a need or a drive from from elders of those communities to really engage the youth the, their kids and grandkids in the stories from their homelands that are uh you know because those kids are kind of growing up here without that being in day-to-day life and and we often find that this style of puppetry can be a really perfect way of of sort of bridging that gap and often we're learning about those stories and folkloric characters at the same time as the the kids or the young people are from the elders so it's a really nice sort of device to bring us together and and then the actual style of puppetry often kind of lends itself really well to telling those kinds of stories because that you know we're often dealing with you know gods and monsters and witches and heroes and um you know different kind of things that could yeah can really be brought to life and then ultimately the the finale is to then present that, that to a much wider audience. So then to share it with a broader community in a way that, um, that you know, they, they probably haven't seen a story told before with these sort of giant puppets. Your 2015 show, Everybody, is one of your most viewed works. It, it involves a 26-metre human puppet that dies, uh, gives birth, then slowly the organs, the limbs, the facial features detach and walk or ooze or squirm away. The idea is macabre, but, but, but the execution of it brings surprising levity. Talk to me about this piece. What were you trying to go for here? Yeah, that, that's, that's exactly right. The the whole idea was actually just about the the reason it's called everybody it was it was really looking at getting at the some you know the very core of what it is that all of us have in common which is this strange vessel called the human body and and it was really just about <laughs> looking for the you know the fun and the beauty and the weirdness and just sort of celebrating celebrating all of that in a way that you know you, you know, just this idea about all the weird divisions we put between ourselves as different human groups and all of these kinds of things. The idea of everybody that it was obviously that it just represented everybody and it was a, a genderless and multiracial sort of representation of the human form and it sort of um yeah it basically went through the whole life cycle from birth and death and then yeah coming apart and it's almost like a giant um anatomical kind of (laughs) figure in a way but also you know it's it's limbs were um seating for people and it had sort of other weird characters coming coming out and ultimately it it's what led to the formation of the human body parts as a roaming act as well. So, so quite often our main stage works, um, they, they tend to be quite big and ambitious. So they take quite a long time to develop, but in that process, often we're kind of creating a world in which all these sort of puppets inhabit. And that gives a, a broader context to a new suite of puppets that often go on to have quite, quite big kind of roaming um careers and that that's kind of what happened with the human body parts 
um, which, as you mentioned before, um, in in those videos are kind of walking around in European cities. And yeah, so it sort of brings that idea into uh, when we don't often get to do the whole everybody show because it's a very big and ambitious and expensive production. But but we you know we can take our eye and mouth and hand puppets out you know much more often and get to just play and interact with crowds with that and, and yeah visually as you say it's it's quite abstract and surreal but it's also it's not so weird that that people immediately obviously understand it it's a really simple kind of thing to get around get your head around um you see these puppets and they're just so relatable <laughs> we've all got uh <laughs> each of them <laughs> Um, as part of us. <laughs> On our end drive, co-artistic director of Snuff Puppets, Nick Wilson's here. We're talking about uh, the upcoming Snuff Fest. In fact, let's talk about Snuff Fest. It's a month-long celebration of all things Snuff. It includes uh, sort of Matryoshka dolls, you know, in terms of performances underneath that banner. Just tell me about what goes into Snuff Fest. So it's basically a um, the, the opportunities come around as a, a, a way of... Um, opening up our studio doors. We've been based in Footscray for 30 years and in the, the drill hall here for 20 odd years. You know, we we often have sort of functions here and there, but we've been really uh, investing a lot of time in the last couple of years in trying to make it more of a community asset and more of a open and accessible venue. And so we've been installing sort of some infrastructure to that end. And it's basically a way of trying to, um, yeah, open the doors up and, and have a series of different kinds of events in here that represent our different kind of streams of our work. So it's opening up with Swamp, which is our latest big main stage work. And that's a it's a big, uh, very ambitious, sort of dark, allegorical kind of story based around the suite of puppets, which are all native Australian animals. So we've got a uh, frill neck lizard and a thylacine and a um, koala and, you know, uh, about eight eight different puppets um, of animals. And, and then so that's kind of uh, got different environmental kind of themes and it's got different sort of natural <laughs> um, themes. And then it's it sort of talks about um yeah transformation and our kind of role in in the kind of natural world at the at this point in time so that's quite a big ambitious work that we premiered last year to a very short season that was sold out very quickly and we had a very long waiting list so it was a great opportunity to remount that and open it up and get a bigger audience in to enjoy that um and next we also have a, a Vietnamese community night, which is based around one of the workshops I was mentioning before, where we worked with um, local uh, Vietnamese community to tell uh, a um, origin story of the Vietnamese people, which is about the um, mountain fairy Oka and the sea dragon Lak Long Quang and we're going to show a little, that's going to be a little more informal and we're going to show a short film premiere, our new projector and um, movie screen. And that's going to be followed by our, um, yeah, puppet show of that story. And there'll be sort of food and music and some little workshops at the start. And that's quite a family friendly 
um, event. And we're also going to be um, the following week um, presenting a work called Cochlea, which is a giant inflatable cochlea, the inner ear organ that's the, the part that we interpret sound waves from. And that was a commission made for Midsummer earlier this year, um, which is a a piece that's sort of it's sort of about listening and it's and it's a it's a vessel for kind of listening to trans and gender diverse voices where we sort of conducted all these interviews with people and and we're asking them when they felt the most and the least listened to and it's basically just a way of it was a kind of a response to this feeling that the trans community were being sort of talked about a lot and not listened to an awful lot. So the symbol of the cochlea is this um, organ of listening with some sort of speakers in there. So that that's more of a installation, I suppose. Um, it's the first time, it's the first sort of puppet that we've made that the audience is actually go inside of. So it's kind of this interesting space. It's quite a cavernous sort of swirling, um, quite interesting space and quite pretty in there and and it's sort of got a bit of a stillness about it in terms of yeah just being a space to listen to but we've also got the silly fun uh snuff puppet energy outside where we cre also created the three little ear bones um <laughs> that people might remember from primary school actually that they're the bits that transmit the vibrations from the outside world into the cochlea so they'll be hopping around transmitting people's vibrations into the front door. And then finally, we've got a, a, a snuff party, which is, you know, one of just our infamous annual parties where anything can happen. And in the lead up to that, we're, we're opening a workshop to local artists and interested people who want to come and help sort of put it on and learn a little bit about what we do. So in, in the lead up to that, we'll have a thing called the Snuff Lab. And basically from the Tuesday, the 3rd of October, we'll be sort of starting to run daytime and evening workshops. And that just with a view to, yeah, finishing on the party on Saturday, the 7th party, a community event, uh, installation and then trans piece and then and then a major main stage work too. So there's, yeah, quite a bit crammed in there. It sounds like an excellent opportunity if you have seen some of uh, Snuff Puppets over the years or uh, are coming to it fresh, something for everyone. Co-artistic director of Snuff Puppets, Nick Wilson's been my guest. And Snuff Fest, the festivity of giant puppet joy, will be on from September the 6th to October the 7th in Footscray in Melbourne. Great to talk to you, Nick. Thank you so much, Andy. It's been great. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.